Honda have announced an upgrade to the performance of their power unit in the Toro Rosso F1 car for the Canadian Grand Prix this weekend, with a power boost estimated to be around 27 brake horsepower. Unfortunately, however, Toro Rosso have been unsuccessful in their attempt to improve the performance of their chassis, as McLaren refused to release rising star Lando Norris to drive the car instead of the hapless Brendan Hartley. Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. I'm Gareth, and standing where Zog normally stands, will you welcome, please, Mr. Alex Goy? Hello. And standing where Richard normally stands, will you welcome Zog? That's confusing. It is confusing. Is it more confusing because we look the same? It's very confusing. I'm going to turn to you, Alex, where Zog normally stands, on my left, and call you Zog. I'm going to turn to Zog and call him Richard, and you two are going to call me Richard, no doubt. Is that how it works? I was going to go with Steve. That'll do. If Close I, enough for rock and roll. Yeah, if I'd cut my hair just a little bit shorter to match Alex's <laughs> super tight crop tonight, you'd be in real trouble. <laughs> We're already in trouble. But perhaps not as much trouble as Formula One. See what I did there, boys? Bit oh, of a presenter. Slick. Yeah. Slick. Slightly concerned about Monaco, which we all, I'm making those quotation mark signs with my fingers now, enjoyed <laughs> recently. How much of it did you enjoy, Alex? I enjoyed all of it that I watched, which was none of it, because I was in another country doing literally anything else. You really don't care for F1, do you? I used to. It's just, it's lost all its magic for me. And as I've said on the show before, Monaco especially, I know it's got all the pomp and circumstances. It's got that love because it's that classic circuit and it's associated with motorsport so strongly and it's that inexorable it's link. It's the bent. Yeah, it's, it's that big thing. But the reality of it is, Monaco's a bit of a hole mm-hmm. and the track's not very good. Mm-hmm. So, it's not actually that good. I've got a solution for that, you see. Well, I'm going to discuss a possible solution for it. That's the whole idea of this section of On Speed. But did you enjoy Monaco, Z? I hate to admit it, I kind of did. I mean, mm. I know it's always tedious. It is always relatively boring, the procession of cars that you get around that circuit. But there's always a fascination in seeing the skill of the drivers, lap after lap, not screwing up and stuffing the car under the barriers. Yeah. There was this one... Not overtaking, the not one... being interesting. <laughs> well, okay, I'll, I will come on to that in a moment. But yes, there was this one shot, this one close-up that I remember that they were going to time and time and again where there's a head-on shot and you would see the cars clipping the barrier. They're so close that you could see the barrier deflecting as the front wheel just nicked it. Nice. A few millimetres one way and you lose a wheel a few millimetres the other way, and you're not quite as quick on that lap. And seeing them do that lap after lap is fascinating. It's not fascinating enough to keep you from, you know, doing a little bit of stuff on the computer and browsing you know, you're while the race is going on. on your phone, you? Probably. Yeah. But, you know, in that race, the fact that we knew that Ricardo had a problem and that he was you know, mm-hmm. fighting this problem... That made it at least bearable. That gave it the entertainment factor for me. Sense of I really did think, you know, could Hamilton really not have a go? Could Vettel really not have a go? Could somebody not have a go? And you know that, OK, it's going to end badly for them probably, so they're not going to risk it. But here's the thing, though. Could not Hamilton have had a go? Now, having not seen this and only looked at the social media afterwards, because basically when a Formula One race happens, my Twitter feed just goes, oh my God, Formula One, it's so boring. Because everyone's like, oh, no one's overtaking. The thing that really hacked me off, I've I've mentioned my feelings towards Lewis Hamilton before. As a driver, you can respect someone for what they do, and he is a master of his craft. But as a person, nah. So he put on some social media, oh, we were just cruising around. So you've wasted all year to do this race in your super shiny new New for the season, mega Formula One car, and you, and you were having a cruise? Right. <laughs> How dare you? He described and it as boring. Was, and everybody was cruising around. This is the thing. Yeah. You know, we knew that he had pace in hand and Vettel had pace in hand. But then again, Ricardo could just go a little bit quicker at the front. Could he, though? But yeah, it is. Could he, really? Yeah. Could Hamilton have not found a little place to overtake and then blasted out rap music? As he, could, he could certainly... His t- own rap music. He could certainly have tried a bit harder. <laughs> he could certainly have tried harder. Yeah, but well, there's too much at stake. That's the problem at the moment, that trying to get past at Monaco is just too difficult particularly since the cars became a little bit wider and fatter again. Do you remember a few years ago when Max Mosley said, "On those Formula One cars shall be narrow and shall run on grooved tyres? And it improved the racing. And then we put in DRS, which improved the racing, where you had a track wide enough to allow two cars 
to fit alongside each other, but Monaco isn't that track. The thing is, I'm not actually hung up about the lack of overtaking. I actually found Monaco fine. My expectations weren't that great. I didn't expect to see... The flagship race of the season Mm. and your expectations weren't that high. Dude, come on. I I don't see it as a flagship race of the season, though, you see. I see it as the opportunity to sort out all your sponsorship for the season. And that allows (laughs) the rest of the season to go ahead where we have proper racing. I mean, yeah, it is this weird sort of anachronism in that, as anybody will point out when pushed on it, you'd never have that race there now if you mm-hmm. were, if you were to suggest let's have a race somewhere near the south of france you would never in a million years have it in monaco a risk assessor would walk around that place and go you could die there 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 drown then die there <laughs> there 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 kill a lot of people there there yeah. there there and that's too narrow for literally anything plus it's just too small to get all the sponsors that you want to get it's too small to get the crowds there it's just too small mm. and it is a flagship event but the very fact that overtaking is nigh on impossible at Monaco, gives it this sense of tension, which I found appealing. Because if someone can pass, which occasionally does happen, Max did all right at the back. Once every couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's enough. That's enough. It's like a strip tease. If you went to a strip tease, not that I've ever been to a club. So yeah, where, yeah. Where's this go- carry on? Well, yeah. Yeah. You get, You're you not know, about and, to do a strip tease. And the you? person turns up there and takes all their clothes off in the first three seconds. And, oh, that's it. Now what do we do for the next hour and a half or whatever it is? But if they slowly, slowly peel things away... and yes, specifically it's flashy, you get to see a nipple, Gareth. In mm-hmm. Monaco, you just get awful padded bra. <laughs> but for two years, you might just get, you know, a bit of muff. That'd be amazing. Yeah, but once for a brief glimpse, dude. Dream a little bigger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, we get that from the rest We're of the season. Not getting much it's a spectrum, isn't it? You can't much. expect it to happen at every race. And so if you have races where this is practically impossible, I think that's okay. I really do. It doesn't bug me. Although, I have been thinking about strategies to offer a solution to people like you who just can't watch it because there's no overtaking is it Mario Kart style weapons because I'd be totally down with bananas that's coming for Formula E you know this don't you they're taking on board what's oh, it called I the heard hyper about this. see that was a, see I was telling a joke but they're genuinely serious uh, they, well it is a joke in my opinion they're, is, they're having hyper corners they're actually doing it but it's a joke I think it's nonsense I think it's crazy I don't really understand Mario Kart the appeal I'm not really a gamer and I like motorsport you know what it would have been it would be like this imaginary TV exec who goes into a show that's established and goes, we need to shake things up. We need a character that'll appeal to the youth. My son really likes turtles. Tell you what, we'll put a turtle in it. It's that. It's like, (laughs) my, my kid doesn't like what I like, but he likes Mario Kart. So if we have bananas yeah, yeah. it's like Mario Kart yeah, yes yeah, yeah, yeah. no it's yeah. a stupid idea Mario Kart's not real but mm-hmm. it's really fun after you've had some beer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well most sports should be fun without beer or with beer that's how I see it mm-hmm. but my solution for Monaco is to do what they do in IndyCar now there are two types of racing in IndyCar proper circuits or ovals or triovals, whatever they call them. And they mandate a completely different aero setup for both types of circuit. If you're on an oval, minimum aero. Absolutely no aero whatsoever, practically, on the super speedways these days. Why don't we do that for Monaco? Why don't we go back to what racing used to be like in Monaco in the 1930s? When, was when the lots of people yeah. died. Well, that did happen, but they would be operating <laughs> they did, at they did happen, But hear me out. <laughs> <laughs> hear me out. The back markers are expendable. <laughs> yes, let's be honest. <laughs> but, you know, we have a much better safety criteria in Formula One these days. The speeds would be lower. They wouldn't be able to corner at the same speeds. They'd have longer braking distances without aero. Just take off the front wing and the rear wing. No, but surely the problem with overtaking Monaco isn't aero-related. It's width. It's width and aero. It's it's track and width. So what you're asking them to do is they have the rest of the season car and then the soapbox for Monaco. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Wouldn't that be novel? It would be, but all the teams complaining about spending too much money would probably have an issue with it. Unless they went the A1GP or Formula E route where you have a car and you can do some things to it. I would argue this would save them money because how many front wings and rear wings and suspension gets knocked off at Monaco? True. 
So, for this one race, we should the just FAA, give them a tube with a V8. Here's your standard nose. You don't have any wings on it whatsoever. And it's up to you to make your car balance out. It's going to happen more slowly, but the sense of risk will still be there. The cars could perhaps even make them a bit narrow. No, no, you, the tyres You've got to fix narrow. the track. You've got to fix the track. You've got to re- I you, think that's hard. You've got to reclaim some land, and you've got to have some other bit of track to add overtake opportunities. See, the real upside to this, as well as making the Monaco race more exciting, it would close Monaco for a while. And okay, Monaco is, is horrid. So actually, you've come up with the perfect it's solution. Monaco is no longer a problem, and Formula One becomes somehow more interesting. Mm. Bingo. Perfect solution. <laughs> Have we solved it? We we've solved Monaco. Mm. Apart from... The fact that a beer is really expensive and the whole place looks like the inside of Harrods. Quite a few people have said that it's actually a much more accessible race than you often think. Because you often think, you know, as a motorsports yeah, yeah. fan, you think, oh, well, you know, I might go to the Belgian Grand Prix, I might go to the German Grand Prix. But you don't think, I'll go to Monaco. Because no. if you haven't got a yacht mm. or an apartment overlooking the swimming pool, how are you going to watch the race? You, know, you can. You can stand quite... on some... There's some steps that you walk up. But do you know how much it costs to stand on those steps? No. It's like 100 euros. Just to stand on some steps okay. for a day okay. and melt. Yeah. But there's bits of hillside, and there are, there are bits yeah. of you know there are, yeah, there, yeah. Are, there are bits that you know are much cheaper places to free places. To yeah, yeah. it is possible to do Monaco relatively cheaply. You can't stay there; you have to stay in no, Lyon or somewhere yeah, nearby right, yeah, yeah, and yeah. bus in or helicopter in. Yeah, or yeah swim. cheaply. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we'll get, get one of those things. You know that thing that like pumps water up, and it's like a jetpack but for water. Yeah, get yeah. one of those and stand rigid for the whole race. That's this a good is plan. Brilliant. Oh God, my arms. <laughs> Everything hurts. Why? Like a rusty Why? Iron Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Best seat in the house. Yeah, maybe we should go. We should set ourselves a challenge of going to Monaco and trying to enjoy it and try to enjoy it cheaply. Monaco, that's, that's a Monaco for that's less a than a ton. And I reckon the trick less would be... That's that's a challenge. That, that is a challenge. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. That, Get in there for less than a ton. Hitchhiking. Mm. Okay, excluding petrol mm-hmm. and travel. Okay, so you, you could sleazy jet in a couple of days before. Can you dingy? Yeah, okay, can so you grow a dingy? Exclu- yeah, excluding the travel there on yeah. 100 quid. Okay, that's a challenge. Because I reckon oh, we should do it, that. and when we get there, during part Ferrame conditions on the Saturday night, mm. we sneak into the carriages and we just tread on all the wings, which forces the race on Sunday to go ahead we without get with wings. Your Okay. And it would be perfect. See, we would what, have proper what, racing. What would happen then is a special alarm would go off in Zach Brown's ear oh, yeah. and he would swoop down with wings <laughs> and he would destroy us with his mighty laser eyes. Is he a supervillain? Yeah, he is. Oh, 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 Allegedly. He's not a supervillain. <laughs> he'd swoop down and first his laser pointer is actually the new F1 logo and the laser warming up sounds like the new soundtrack to it. So you know how you're going to die, and it's really swoopily and weirdly. Punches an F1-shaped hole through your chest. Oh, that's his signature, mm. like Zorro. I get yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'd take the risk, because we get good <laughs> racing at the end of it. But I'm well, wondering we don't, because what... we'll be dead. <laughs> with oh. F1-shaped oh, yeah. holes in our... Like, we'd be martyrs yeah. to a, a cause. How a beautiful way to go. Can't yeah. make an omelet without breaking eggs. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to come back to this idea of F1 cars running without their front wing and probably even their rear wing. I'm wondering what the technical upshot of that would be, whether it was actually possible to run those cars without the front and rear wing. We had a sort of taster of it in, I think, 2006, when the then Honda Formula One team that used to be BAR then became Braun, which are now Mercedes. How confusing is that? They went for the world land speed record. Well, not world land speed record, but for the land speed record for a Formula One car. Mm. They ran it on salt flats in Bonneville. Mm-hmm. And they removed the rear wing completely. And they mm. simply put up a fin just to allow it to track in a straight line in the centre. Mm. And the front wing, again, was just two outboard vertical fins. And I think one, possibly two very, very, very slim front elements on the front wing. And it looked tremendous. Search it out. You'll find it on Google. You know, search Honda Land Speed Record F1 car. And it looks kind of minimalist and stripped down and starts to have the kind of appeal that the pre-Formula One Grand Prix cars, you know, the Silver Arrows, Mm, the the Audis and the Mercedes of that period had, where it was all mechanical grip. 
And if Monaco is about heritage, drawing on this rich background in motorsport, maybe we should allude to it more by doing away with wings and trying it out. I might try and write a letter to Jean Tot. I mean, yeah. you know, you did Liberty F1. Yeah. Hold my beer. Yeah, it's that, isn't it? I just realised yeah. why they're going to turn it down, though. It's just occurred to me. Sponsorship. One of the big appeals of why they won't limit the size of wings these days is they put the sponsors' names on. Yeah, and the cars are so plastered with mm. logos these days. Oh, yes, I see. Yeah, yeah, it's not as big an issue as it used yeah, to be. Yeah, you've got a Clarence quite empty. Yeah. Can oh. they not just put the spare ones on McLaren? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That's it! Share the love! Don't worry, it's all right. Your sponsorship deals are covered. Sorry, McLaren, you've got to be the bitch this time. And they get to sponsor the other teams. I like that idea. Do you know, actually, that's kind of cogent with one of the proposals for the cost-cutting in Formula One in 2021, whenever it is. What they're talking about doing is limiting the numbers of staff for teams. And what they're arguing is it won't make hundreds of people redundant it will just move some of those people around so mclaren have got 10 billion people working for them five billion of those go and work for sauber and force india they just move around this is the argument you do the same thing with advertising have red bull written on the side of the mclaren yeah and for one brief moment mclaren will feel glorious and then realize they're getting absolutely cock all out of the deal (laughs) (laughs) poor mclaren this is what it feels like to look like a winner. Yeah! Oh, <laughs> oh no. no! Well, it has been so long for them, poor guys. Yeah, 20 years since they won a Constructors, 10 years since they won a Championship, 5 years since they won a race. Cruel but true. Hello, Citroën World Rally Team HQ. Pierre Bouda speaking. Chris, a good day from you. Uh, but why are you calling? I was just wondering what time you want me at the airport for the flight to Sardinia for the next round of the WRC. Uh, Chris, uh, I, I don't understand. Don't understand what? Why you want to come to Rally Italia? <laughs> Always a joker, eh, Pierre? I'm going to drive the car, of course. But, Chris, you don't drive for Citroën anymore. What? Chris, I told you... We had to drop you because you keep crashing. What do you mean you told me? In the email I sent you last week. And you didn't get any email? Well, okay, I check. Yeah, it is definitely showing. It, it is left my outbox. Look, I'm not getting any emails at the moment. I'm having all sorts of problems with my computer. Let me guess. It keeps crashing. Step petrol! We got a Jones on speed! What's really nice about having a guest presenter on the programme is that you turn up with new proclivities. Can we say proclivities? Is that even a word? Do we know what it means? No. Okay, but next we can say it. Yeah, oh, great. Yeah. There you go. See, yeah. that's that's the best thing to do. I hear a certain US president says a lot of words he doesn't. Know. <laughs> it's All working the out words. good for him. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But instead of having someone who comes here and wants to tell us about. Glorious Porsches, and that's not UZ, that's the other one. And lovely Land Rovers. As much as we love that, it's nice to have someone come up and tell us about something different that they've been driving recently. So, Alex, what have you been driving? What has I been drovening? Well, (laughs) let's start with the Mercedes-AMG C63S, which a name that makes no sense to me, because as far as I'm concerned, it should be the Mercedes-Benz c 63 AMG or C63S AMG since Mercedes AMG became its own gelatinous blob company that makes its own things then now it's Mercedes ah it makes my brain hurt Mm. this is a wagon you're talking about it's a wagon yes it's a wagon win 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 we've driven some big AMG wagons in in Spain haven't we uh, very very quick what's it the E400 we had I think uh, 4 Matic is it 4 E43 AMG would be the AMG Yes. Unless it was the AMG line. No, it was pre the introduction of that. This was a few years ago now. Oh, so that'll be... Oh, hang on. Yes, yeah, so about that mm. be, five years ago. That'll be 63 yeah. then, if yeah, you were yeah. driving was, the full fat AMG. That's a big yeah, 6.2 litre V8. It went brubble. It went brubble. It went brubble. They do that a lot. Yeah. fast. Yeah, we couldn't find a road quick enough for the car, I think, from memory. Yeah. You know, we were driving some pretty quick roads. No, no, we certainly found a couple of roads that suited Blondie quite well. Oh, yes, yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, Debbie Harry's often with us in the car. There are a lot yeah, of roads. There are a lot of roads. Like, 
So <laughs> I drove the current Jenny 63 on a launch to the AMG GTR, but I'd been there a couple of weeks before to drive the E63. So I got to where I was going. They went, oh, hello, it's you again. Here's the same car you had two weeks ago. Go have fun. This is in the south of Portugal. So they went, oh, uh, you're due at the track in an hour and a half. And I got there in 40 minutes. They're really fast. Circuit <laughs> Aragon, is that what it's called? No, it wasn't Aragon. Port- it was, was Portimao. Portimao. I drove that on a Renault launch a long time ago. But this car... The C63S Mercedes-AMG 4Matic Plus... Nah, many, Let's just many call it the Deutsche Wagen. That's Deutsche Wagen, yeah. yeah. Did you love it, adore it, dislike it, like it, or so, put up with it? What's the good and the bad? What's the, so, what's the headline? the thing is, as I've mentioned before, I'm an Audi person. I've always been an Audi person because my old man, that, that's just how I roll. And because I had a terrible step uncle, I didn't really like Mercedes because he was fiercely proud of his Mercedes and anything he liked was obviously awful. Everyone has that yeah, person. That, that, yeah. They like it, yeah. therefore it is bad. Yeah. So yeah. it's taken me so long to warm to Merckx and it's taken like... I get the cool side of it. And finally, that C63, I now get it fully. So it must be good to overcome your prejudices, oh. your, your inherent... Chipping away yeah. for a while. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the E63 is really good, the MG GT, GTR, those are all really good cars, but mm. I hadn't quite got it mm. until that C63. And I had a really early morning airport running it. And I was afraid of waking up the neighbours, this big four-litre V8 goes... <laughs> and then it goes quiet, because turbos. Ah, and then yes, you gently burble do. ever so slightly out. I turned left out of my car hole to go to Gatwick and I just flipped it into sport as I left and I just gave it a little bit of gas and I entered the road in a way I shouldn't have done. Oh, really? And it, it took me rather by surprise. Oh, and that kind of set the scene uh-huh. for the trip. AMG does what AMG does immensely well, but what it does is lots of speed, but it's quite comfy. So the suspension can be set to mega hard mode, but Merck's mega hard mode is... A little bit softer and squidgy, a little bit more live wiry than, say, an Skateboard Audi. Yeah, or yeah. the Audi, which is just a blunt instrument for hitting the horizon and mm-hmm. then hitting it again and again and again and again and again. Mm. It's very kind of grown up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's like kind of your granddad's chair, but with a V8 in it. Oh. And it's brilliant. It's so much fun. So I took it to the airport and I was playing with the motor and making lots of noise and having lots of fun. I put it into race for a moment and then immediately regressed it because it turns. All the things off and you go, oh, God, this is a handful. I it should do this on much. a circuit. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy to drive irresponsibly. But if you're a little bit measured, it's quite easy to drive quite well. But you do need to maybe concentrate a little bit more doing that. Whereas if you just flick it down to Sport Plus or Sport, it'll look after you. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. The thing that gets me, there's, there's a few standout things. Merck's interiors, I used to find them quite overdone. So the E-Class, E63, I think it looks like a posh kitchen. In the mm-hmm. C-Class, it's just a little bit smaller and a little bit better, and it suits the car really nicely. There are a couple of stupid things about it. So Merck's got this command system, which just doesn't work. And it's really annoying, because now AMG has that deal with Aston Martin. If you buy a DB11 or you buy a Vantage, you have to have Merck's stupid wheel that's way over-sensitive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's a massive pain. And there's some bits of it that they haven't quite built into it yet. So if you do the individual driving mode, that's a different menu that's built away from the rest of the command system. So then to escape it, you have to go back through these million sub-menus. Uh-huh. And it's, ah, it's There's awful. There's no home button. Yeah. No, and it, yeah. there is one, but it's on the back of this touchpad thing, right. which and if you touch it while you're doing the wheel thing, other stuff happens, and it just mm. it makes me cross. It's poor I mean, ergonomics. I, I've never got familiar enough with it to get a feel for what it's like when you're comfortable with it, mm. you know, whether once you're really used to it, whether it works, whether it's second nature, whether you can do these things easily or whether you have to keep hunting options yeah, yeah just coming back to your thing about the interiors mm. you know we talk about scalable architecture these days on yes. cars you design a platform you know a middle-sized platform that you can shrink slightly and it will work and you can expand slightly and it will work maybe mercedes aren't thinking like that about their interiors if they design the level of chrome and wood and mm. the size of the buttons and everything that suit an e-class scale up to an s-class might look a bit lost force all that into a C-class size yeah. car and they become too big, too prominent. Is that mm. what you were talking about? It's good in the C-class, it works. Mm. Everything's been shrunk down to just the right level. Mm. It's really, really nice. The materials look great, they feel great. There are some plasticky bits, which is a bit of a faff. And Mercedes continues to do with its column-mounted gear lever yep. thing, mm. which means if you're not paying attention and you want to do the wipers or you want to indicate whatever it is, you end up putting the car into neutral or <laughs> once I definitely didn't put I've it into that. park. 
Oh, um, oh you didn't? No. The rather oh, terrible screech. Let's do the rear wiper. Oh, good lord, I appear to have stopped very quickly. Oh, God. But that's because you drive lots of different cars all the time, and most people who have a car like that, that's the car they drive, yeah. and you adapt to that very quickly oh, you know, in a few you, days. You, you yeah. do figure it out quite quickly, but it yeah. can but, happen. But, but the figuring it out happen. is a yeah. tricky process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. getting there. That's a rocky process. We've never done that, have we, luckily? I don't think we've ever done anything terrible that. like that, have we? Um, trying to think. My lips are sealed. Okay. Oh, <laughs> 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 I do hate a column shift. It's I'm just, I, you know, I like it. On the, you know, I like it on the floor. As soon as you move it up the top, no, it's not a 1950s Chevrolet. Right, We're exactly. This. Yes, but there are some like awesome bits to it. So it's got this 500 and something horsepower, four liter turbocharged V8. Bang it into sport. You can still drive it quite comfortably, so you don't lose that much car. I mean, it's a bit rough over potholes, but it's designed to do thousands of miles an hour, so you yeah. can't really complain about that. Yeah. But it makes the exhaust really noisy. Does and it go froop froop? It kind of makes this angry, gurgly, shouty noise. No, we like it. And then when you're sat at idle, it doesn't do much. I took a friend down to the south coast to visit another friend, and she had no idea what the car was. She doesn't know anything about cars. She just saw a blue Mercedes. So I met her at a tube station and said, right, I'll be in the noisy blue car. And she didn't hear the noise, but she got into it. So I thought she said it'd be noisy. I went, oh, no, no, it'd be fine. Don't worry about that. And then we're just driving through southwest London and kind of wending our way out of town. And there was some traffic lights. And she went, so what is this car? Well, it's a Mercedes. It's a C-Class. It's their small estate. It's like for small families, but it's got a really big engine in it and it makes a great noise. And she went, well, I heard it. I don't really know what good car noise is supposed to be. So and I went, well, it's also got this party piece. She went, what's that? It'll do not to 60 in like no time. And she went, oh yeah, whatever. And I, I started <laughs> waited and the lights went amber. Just flicked it into Sport Plus and she was nowhere the wiser. And I just went, yeah, it's, it's real fast. We really went, yeah, it is. Boom. She started screaming and then went, do it again! Ah, oh, that's the sort of woman we admire, Z, that's, isn't that, it? That's the kind of reaction you want. Yeah. yeah oh, it's fantastic. And you can get a dog in the back. And you can get a dog in the back. Mm-hmm. You'll probably, probably be spraying feces liberally all over the place. <laughs> and you'll be in the back saying, don't do it again! You found the perfect partner there, you realise. Oh, well, no, she, uh, she's just a friend, Mr. Oh. Mr. Jones. She's well, just you a should friend. change that. If she <laughs> loves cars... In so that she way, she doesn't love cars. She just enjoyed the unexpected, hilarious acceleration of the C63. She loves cars. She just doesn't realise. However, the biggest highlight of that car. I'm big on views in cars, as I will talk about when we get to my next motor. So I'm big on the view and the environment. So it's a big part of it because it's the bit you see all the time. Mm-hmm. So what you see out of the windscreen or right in front of you is very important. And while the Merc's interior is lovely, the view of the bonnet is amazing because it's got two little power bulges about a quarter of the way in from each side. Two? So as you're driving along, there's these two little humps and you can just aim the middle of the car down it and no matter whether it's windy, rainy, snowing or bright and sunny, you just aim the car through those. And for me, it just makes it for me. It's got those two little humps and it just feels good. So in a Rolls Royce, you guide a car down a road using the spirit of exercise. Yes, Mm. yes, yes. In that, you line up the road Uh and you go, I want that to be nowhere near me now. And then it is nowhere near you. (laughs) It's behind you. It's beautiful. It's a genuinely good car. Two like, power humps got to be better than one, Z, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. Really? Well, yeah. Twice as good. Obviously. No, yeah. it's a fantastic thing, but if only because it is so different from the Audi or BMW equivalent. Like mm. the BMW is this scalpel-sharp thing. Mm. It doesn't sound as good because it's got a smaller engine and synthesised noise and all that mm-hmm. stuff. But, you know, it's sharper, and it's a really, like, good driver. It's the car, like, the expert should go for. Mm-hmm. And then you get the Audi, which is just a hammer, which will always be my favourite way of driving because I think, oh, well, it's the weekend. What I'll do is I'll go on some country roads and have a hoon in my Audi estate. No, I want to get from London to Germany yesterday. You buy that for that because it just goes Mm -hmm. in a straight line and doesn't stop. Whereas the Merc is that it's comfy and occasionally can be a bit of a hooligan. And that's brilliant. I love it. So, Mm. given what you've just said... yes. If you were spending your own pennies on mm. this, would you? If it came down to the choice, because I would, no, you wouldn't have the BMW, but if you had the choice between the Audi and the equivalent Merc, would you actually buy that big, comfy V8-powered gentleman's divan chair? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't driven the new Audi RS4, but mm. I have driven the old RS4, so I'd save a lot of cash and buy that. Fair enough. Okay, and with that cash that you save, mm. would you have enough spare money to buy this other car that you alluded to driving a minute or two ago? Maybe. The car is? The Toyota Yaris 
German. G-R-M-N. German. Do you know what it stands for? Definitely cheaper, but not quite as cheap as we might expect. No. How much would you expect a Toyota Yaris to cost? 30 quid. Yeah. 35 quid. Bit more than 35 quid. 35 quid 20. Okay, I'll skip the very long guessing. <laughs> 20 grand. <laughs> it's, it's a little over £26,000. Jeez. For Yaris. And it's why? It's the fastest Yaris. You can easily oh, spec a Mini Cooper S to that. Yeah. But this is the base price for the Yaris. This is how much it costs. This is what you're guessing. Why is that? You've got tweaked suspension. You've got forged wheels. You've got a reinforced body. You've got a quicker steering rack. You've got a big wing, a different exhaust. You've got a 1.8 litre supercharged engine and other bits that I can't quite remember. But there is really quite yeah. a lot of uh, it's, uh, difference. Uh, under the skin, it is nothing like a regular Yaris. Is that the engine from the CT200? The Lexus. That's a 1.8, isn't it? I or, couldn't tell you. I wonder. The CT200, which is definitely not a Prius in drag. Yeah. That's yeah. a lot of engine for a very... Short. Yes. Car. It's got 209 brake horsepower and 180 something pounds and feet. Like 0 to 62 happens in six and change. But does it go forwards or does it go sideways more than forwards? It goes very forwards. It does. And it's got a really good differential on it. So okay, when you decide you want to turn in a direction, yeah. you turn it and it takes it just a moment. You turn it and you go, oh, it's going. And then it goes, oh, I'm a differential. <laughs> uh-huh. And all of a sudden you'll change direction completely. It's uh-huh. fantastic. Uh-huh. Like the handling is amazing. The speed, it has a party piece in that it wants to go a million miles an hour absolutely everywhere. <laughs> like So every car, I found, it has its neutral speed on the motorway. Uh-huh. The one it just sits on. Yes, it yes, indeed. Yeah, Usually yeah, around about yeah. 94. Well, if you're outside <laughs> the UK, of course. Yeah. Yes. If you're on the autobahn, then yes. Yeah, so that's, 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 yeah. Sections of the autobahn which aren't speed restricted. Of course, of course. Of course. Yeah. So every car has its neutral speed. The Yaris, mm-hmm. it's very fast neutral speed. And it wants to do that everywhere because it is a german car in essence it's built in france but engineered by toyota sporting cologne it's it's gazoo racing meisters of nurburgring which makes me feel a bit ill to say yeah because it's amazingly tacky audi has rennsport rennsport or gazoo racing meisters of nurburgring Gazoo. Telegram for yeah, you, it, sir. It is a, it's a, yeah, it's a gazoo itself it's a isn't a great name. It it's sounds like a, sounds like a chocolate or a fruit sweet, a chewy fruit sweet. Well, it always comes back to gazoo. It's probably because I was, was a big gazoo fan. I, yeah. I, was, every time I see gazoo, yeah. I think of Vince Clark and Alison Moyer and me and me in the eighties in the yeah, band. There you go. Gazoo. Yeah. yeah. But it is amazingly good. Like as a car to drive around in in the city, it hates London. For one. Don't we all? Bit of a disadvantage, considering I live in it. So, driving through the city, bouncing around everywhere. And it's got this exhaust, which, when you're properly wringing its neck, it screams at you. It's got this hollow, like, raw, mechanical sound. When you're in town, it does this sort of burbly thing. that It's like a half-arsed rally car. Uh-huh, so, yeah. it's not quite as... Yeah, but yeah. It's, it's really quiet. So, it's like it's been kind of mugged. Uh-huh. Quite <laughs> so you kind of wish they could have made more of it. There's a chap called Alan Bradley. He's bought one. He's spent more than £26,000 on this thing. And I had a chat with him about it. I was like, I don't understand it because it's brilliant, but it's £26,000. The exterior is a bit leery and the interior is basically standard Prius, but with some comfier seats or some more racy seats and a few GR things. Mm-hmm. And he went, I understand why you don't get it. I get it because... I have a heavily modified Toyota Yaris T-Sport or something like that from years ago, and I love it to bits. So for me, having a properly sorted one is the perfect thing. But I understand why there's those few hurdles to get over. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it is so expensive and in some ways so bland, but then you drive it on a country lane and give it the knackers, it's the best thing in the world. It's a 5% car. It's like a caterer. 5% by, you only use 5% of its total (laughs) performance ability. 95% of the time, it's a shopping car with a sensory Mm. mounted exhaust Mm. and a wing and everyone thinks you're a bit of a wally because it's got stickers on it. Mm. But then you don't care because you're in it and you're like, this is my car. It's a bit bouncy. But then you get onto a country lane and you go, this is why I bought this. Yeah, so yeah. what is the price of a Fiesta ST? Do we know? 20-ish, I think. 20-ish. So it's a bit more expensive there than that. There is a Golf. All right. Yeah, and a, not a Volkswagen Golf. Not no. a Volkswagen no. Golf. Well, a used yeah. Mark IV, maybe. So now, it's I've, I've okay. to the Fiesta, so I yeah. reserve judgment. By all accounts, Fiesta is basically the second coming of Christ. Yes, yes. That's very, what very I've heard. Well but yeah. to kind of sum up the Yaris... Yes, it's very expensive. It's very fast. It handles very well. But it's also first proper GR car. 
Mm-hmm. And the GR cars, they're going to be limited run. They're going to be all Toyota-y. They're going to be the really fast, really sought-after ones. So this, mm. it's the beginning of a lineage, an extra bit of heritage for Toyota. So actually, as first times go, genuinely impressive. Mm-hmm. Like, good car. Not £26,000 good. I'd struggle with that. But if you get it, you get but, it. Yeah. Maybe in a year's time you can pick one up. Probably not. Pick there's, one use. there's only 80 in the UK. Oh. 400 all over Europe that is yeah. the way to do it if you want it's to build exclusive. a brand make it exclusive mm. even if it's a yeah. humble Toyota or indeed make, make it good make it good make it good and expensive and don't call it a gazoo racing master of the Nürburgring call it Hellcat or something good like that Uh, Janet, can you uh, come into my office, please? Okay, Janet, um, sit down. Um, can you tell me where we're at now with our new employees after our recent tranche of uh, headhunting? Yes, Mr. Musk, we have a new chief financial officer. Oh, excellent. That's uh, an area of Tesla that we uh, need to keep a careful eye on. Who is it? His name's James Zoo. He previously held a high-ranking financial role at GM. That's terrific news. Uh, how about the position we were trying to fill for the director of energy manufacturing at Tesla? That's now Neeraj Manrao. He was technical operations manager at Apple. Oh, that's just great. Is that everything, Janet? Not quite, Mr. Musk. We now have Stuart Bowers as Tesla's vice president of engineering. He's an expert on machine learning and was an early employee at Facebook. Great. Well, let's hope he's learned from Mark Zuckerberg's mistakes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh yeah, one last thing, Mr. Musk. After months of searching, we finally found someone to take on the role of a crash testing program. Oh, wow. At last. Who's that? He's called Chris Meek. Gareth Jones on speed. We're getting close to not only the Canadian Grand Prix this weekend, but Le Mans and Porsche noticeably missing from Le Mans in the LMP1 class this year. However, they have been stretching the legs of their Le Mans winner, the 919. Do you say 919, 919? What do we say? Well, you say 911 and you say 918 Spider. So it's 919. It's 919, but it could yeah. be 919. I think I've heard both. I'm okay with yeah. both. Oh, okay. How about 91.9? Let's call it definitely the 91.9. No, 9. Def- def- <laughs> but it's a special version. It's the 91.9 Evo. You are basically saying to a British person, play with your Legos. That's correct, yes. Um, not, <laughs> don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he loves his Legos. Like, no, Legos is not a word, stranger. <laughs> what they've done is... To prove their might, yeah, it's really upset you that Legos, hasn't it? It no, always does, because it's a front to language. Because yeah, it's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, it's correct. incorrect. Correct. So the 919, having set a lap record, I think, at Spa, mm-hmm. Spa recently, yep, yep. quicker than Lewis in a Mercedes F1 car, is going to tackle the Nürburgring. So they're going to call that the Master of Nürburgring as well, are they? Well, no, they maybe. Yeah. The Meister Ringer of Nürburgring. What is the lap record? It's I, I believe know. it is six minutes, 11 point something seconds, set by Stefan Beloff yep. in 1983. Mm-hmm. Driving um, what? A Do you know? 956? Yes, 956C or something. I think, yeah. That you mean, you mean a 956? A 956. <laughs> yes, um, a Duplo's. You wouldn't say you wouldn't say nine fifty six, would you? It's a nine five six. It's a nine five six. That just means it's five minutes to bedtime. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so mm, stood for a long off, time. Uh, Why is it stood for so long? The Nurburgring That's is a good really question. long and it's really difficult. Mm-hmm. And I think partly in respect for the record, because like people say, oh, why you put a Formula One car around there? It's just not set up for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like exactly. it's the, the ring is rough. Mm-hmm. It's not a nice place. Like think of the best B road you've been on. 
now do 130 down it consistently. Mm-hmm. And it stops being fun. It starts being quite serious. And quite scary. And very scary. So um, will the 91.9 be able to achieve this? Are they going to have to stand well, I, it on its tiptoes, I think aren't they? they've just been, if I understand this right, they've just recently, maybe in the last week or so, been there doing a little bit of testing to sort of shake it down and basically answer exactly that question, to sort of get a feel for it, work out what kind of setup they'll have and figure out whether they can go for this record or not. There's a chap who lives at the Nürburgring, a guy called Misha. He works for this company called Apex. They do ring car hire and instruction and things like that. But he has this YouTube channel and they basically, it's like, here's what we got up to with the Nürburgring today. So he knows what's happening when it's happening. And they camped out at the ring. So they were there. They watched it. Mm. They watched it go around. They watched it change direction, all this. And they were timing it as they went by. And they worked out what would happen is it would get acres and acres and acres ahead of the 911 GT2 RS, which is currently the production lap holder at 6 minutes 41 something, I think. And then it would keep going faster, keep going faster. But then it would lift off about 4K from the finish. And then at 6 minutes dead it would go into the pits. Hmm. But they did the maths and they reckon it's capable of at most 5.11. Wow. Yeah. I saw that a video of it going around. Quick. I can't remember the name of the corner. I saw a video of it going around kind of somewhere in the deep, deep, dark recesses of the ring. The way it changes direction is just otherworldly. You know when you're watching Le Mans and you see the LMP1 cars and they go left and they just go really left yeah, and then yeah. really right? Mm-hmm. Imagine that sped up. Mm, oh, Lord. Because they, 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 Well, they're allowed to tweak it because it's not having to run to FIA rules. They, it, it take, to, well, this, it doesn't have to run to any rules. Yeah. What they're doing is they've taken the car that, as you mm. say, won Le Mans and they've just Lightened taken it. the rules off. Mm. They've made a few changes they can make because they're not someone, restricted by rules. The lights have gone. Someone somewhere within Vysak Called Hans, I hope, has gone, hold my beer. Yeah. <laughs> just just watch what I'm going to do, yeah. because it's going to ruin everyone else's day. Hang on, I wish you could have seen this. Hang on, boys, I'm sorry, I've got to interrupt. This is, this, <laughs> is, this, this is the hold my beer moment that we really want to see the results and, of. Not and, the American election, hold my beer, <laughs> or the, any of that stuff. For yeah. those of you listening in stereo, I wish you could have seen what I saw then. At the, the same point in time, exactly, both Zog and Alex <laughs> gleefully rubbed their hands together. It was like watching some sort of insane, slightly out-of-focus mirror. But Gareth, oh, should see hey, that. we're the same person. Yes, You're I've noticed this. Us. Oh my God, again. And the, idea, dream. <laughs> and the idea of German engineers doing their stuff is mm. very exciting. Are you, I and I joining in with a bit of hand rubbing as well. Yeah. Wake up, Gareth. So <laughs> it, they've, they've boosted the uh, power output as well by 8 billion megajoules, oh, haven't they, or something? It's got a gajillion horsepower. And mm. the, the way it's been set up is just mind-blowingly clever. There are no lights. The air has been tricked out to God knows what. They went down there. They did a media run with the... 919 and a 956 I think it was the Rothmans car mm-hmm. and they made a big song and dance about it and then they did what looked like some data gathering so what they'll probably do as Misha says in his wonderful video they'll go back when the track conditions are ideal Right, of mm. course, that's the time to do it. Which is what? September? It's cooling? Well, that, yeah. that, I believe they're hoping to do it before the end of June. That, oh, that, that's what I read. That'd well, be they're not going to be busy run. at Le Mans, are yeah. they? So they can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my and they're not going to be busy in Formula E until next year. No, that's right, yes. Yeah, Which is true. why Neil Gianni's yeah, yeah, yeah. driving for Rebellion this year. Is Neil going to drive the car at the Nordschleife? It's not even the Nürburgring, it's the Nordschleife, the Nordschleife. isn't it? Um, it I wasn't Neil driving it this time it was Timo Bernhardt oh, yes, yes, who has yes. won at the ring a lot and right. knows it like the back of his right. hand hmm. mm. well I look forward to that it's a hell of a car isn't it it is it's, hell it's, of a car. it's possibly the pinnacle of sports car development to date well, if, you can if, make a good case for it being if you think best, yeah. that originally Porsche did it and everyone said oh it's unbeatable you'll never go around faster than that and Porsche's gone well actually if we do the maths and do a little bit of testing I bet you, actually, we can do it again, but even faster. Because, you know, the distance covered and the corners covered, it's just mind-boggling. Because I have no idea how long the Nürburgring really is, because depending on who you talk to, it's either 20 miles long, 16 miles long, 14 miles long, or 12 miles long. (laughs) I'm, I'm kind of, I'm between 14 and 12 myself. And all the, like, thousands of corners, anywhere between 100 and 190 or whatever it is. To cover that distance in 6 minutes 41 in a road car is unbelievable that's mega 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 quick because you've you've got to think of the physics and the forces on the tires the stresses of the driver and what if something goes slightly wrong and of course the road car was on road tires ish and 
that's crazy. Now imagine doing that 90 seconds faster mm. in something that, yeah, it's been set up to grip, but it's been set up for super smooth racetracks, mm-hmm. not a terrible B road. And then it's got to cover anywhere between 12 and 1,000 miles in less than six minutes. Mm. It's seriously, seriously impressive. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd like to be there to see it. Oh, man. Cool. If they do that, it won't be unbeatable. Someone will come up with something, but it will hopefully kickstart another race to try and get round it faster. Let's take it as given that they're going to smash that track record. I'm sure they are, as long as they do the run. Mm. It raises the interesting question, what will it then take to beat that? Is it going to be the first sort of really mature, really happening incarnation of a fully electric I was about to say car, that. Yeah, maybe? yeah, yeah. I think it'll be With something like the Pikes Peak thing, won't it? The uh, K and BMW NFL, ID... What's so it? Needs K and NFL. Yeah, yeah, yeah that'll do yeah, it. Yeah, Go from Alfa right. to a piece yeah. of metal. Yeah. <laughs> that'll take, like, add, like, 20 horsepower. Yeah. That's a great question. This could be the last internal combustion engine winner of the Nordschleife record. Because from now on, it's all going to be super electrics, quite possibly. Maybe not. Oh, you can't say you know something. No, 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 no. It's it's, it's, it's not that I know something. Ah. I certainly don't know something because look at me, I'm a moron. But (laughs) the whole thing with electrics, I went to the Formula E race in Rome. Mm -hmm. I went to have a look and it was good fun. And this season, of course, they still have to change cars. But next season, they don't. And there was rumours going down the pit lane that maybe the idea they have to change is because of the battery tech. At the moment, it can't sustain the car for as long, but the next batteries will, which is great, except the batteries are under so much stress and the motor is under so much stress, cooling is still an enormous issue Uh because there might not be that many moving parts, but forcing them to work that hard makes them very, very hot. So what the Nürburgring might cause as an issue is how do they deal with the heat how mm-hmm. do they deal with that management how do they deal with that tech once they've got that figured out once they've mm. got a battery that's super light super powerful and a motor that can do 20 zillion horsepower and get the suspension done and get the drivetrain done no question well this issue of heat you know, over a single lap mm. even if it's a five or six minute lap the problem of getting rid of your heat it's less of a problem than it is over a whole race whether yeah. that's a two hour race or a 24 hour race so possibly in relation to the track record at the Nordschleife maybe it would then be an electric car that would be the next mm-hmm. one to come you along you subcool it, it to start you know, off with because so, that problem kind of uh, goes away yeah, you see yeah, what yeah. I mean if you want to look at the big picture in terms of internal combustion versus electric yeah. you've basically got as I would see it, the inherent advantages of the electric drivetrain, which are efficiency and simplicity, Mm -hmm. versus the advantages of the internal combustion engine side, which are over 100 years of development and billions and billions spent on refining and developing the technology. Mm. And the electric stuff, it's catching up in all the areas where it's behind, and it's only going to carry on yeah, catching yeah. up. You know, you get into interesting things with limitations of battery technology. And you need some sort of step changes. But over a single lap, a lot of the problems go away. Let's not forget that the 919 Evo is a hybrid. It's combining that technological advantage of mm. modern electric powertrains with the 100-year-plus development of the ICE. But I'll tell you what, what it will definitely achieve, it will be the lap record for a four-cylinder car around that circuit, mm, won't it? Whatever yeah. happens. That's right. Until That's until true. my mate Baz, yeah, he's yeah. got this Golf R. Oh right, yeah. He's modified. He chipped it. Yeah, it. man. Yeah. He's, he's put his effort in. He chipped it. Eleven hundred eight horsepower. Oh, it's the fastest thing, mate. You, Take you it wouldn't believe ring, it. Yeah. Yeah. Ring, yeah, yeah. Hey, right from the ridiculous to the sublime. Or the ridiculous. Well, yeah, we've saved a car, oh, which we've only got a few minutes to talk about this, but it's a very controversial car. Some of the people in this room are very for this car some of the people in this room are very against this car the car we're talking about is the you're going to love this I can't wait you've probably worked out what the car is going to be but we're talking about the Rolls-Royce Cullinan now you will have immediately had a reaction to that car I'm guessing most of you would have gone oh god will you but some of you might have gone oh yeah I wouldn't mind one of those and if you're not familiar with the Rolls-Royce Cullinan just imagine a cheap Chinese knockoff of a Range Rover that's much too big (laughs) and you have pictured the Rolls-Royce Cullinan you just said Bentley Bentayga I maintain that this looks like more of a cheap knockoff of a Range Rover See, I, I'm, there is know, something very Range Rovery about it, isn't there? Oh, there's something very Range Rovery about it, like, for sure. But I think what they've managed to do with the look of it, they've managed to hide the size surprisingly well. 
because it is massive. It's yeah. tall, by the way. It's, it's a very tall bugger. I went to see it. They did a preview thing the night they launched it. And another journalist turned up in a Bentayga and parked it right outside the showroom. And you look from one to the other and you just think, that's actually quite elegant. And that Bentayga makes me want to do a little bit of sick in my mouth. Hmm. I don't hmm. like the Bentayga. I've got more time for the Cologne. I have no problem. A lot of people have an issue with Rolls-Royce making a, a What's the term? An it's ultimate a, function it's an SUV. vehicle. It's yeah, a, it's a it's a it's a mega SUV. I guess. But Rolls Royce have always made cars with ultimate ability. In the days of the Raj, if you like, there were Rolls Royce built specifically to go across India and hunt. Off-road. But if somebody wants a car manufacturer to build them a stupid car, then <laughs> that's fine. You pay them a lot of money, they will build you a stupid car. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite so keen on car manufacturer off their own back just going, hello world, here's this stupid thing we've just designed for you. Yeah, but the thing Shit. is, a lot of the people in the world they're saying hello world to are stupid people who want a stupid product. And if they uh, want it, I guess. that's fine. But there is an actual counterpoint to the Cullinan. It's not Rolls-Royce's first off-road capable vehicle. No, they've had There a, was a rallying Rolls-Royce in the 70s of which I've seen pictures. Their two. first cars. There weren't roads to go around That's them. That's right, yeah. 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 Like, Rolls-Royce yeah. actually has off-road literally in its heritage. Yes. Yeah. Whereas, yes. you know... Others, ding, ding, very good point. Other, others don't. That said, it is enormous. And you know, there's a button you can press in the boot and it lifts up this panel and then two little seats come yes. up and you sit on the tailgate. That yes. is quite neat. It is, until you see them folded down and they look like leather-lined toilet seats. <laughs> OK, yeah, that's, that's going to end badly at some point. And now, yeah. you, and now you will not be able to unsee that. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's Rolls-Royce by Duelit. I challenge anyone to be taken out in the Cullinan and not be impressed by it, even if you have an emotional reaction to it. And I reckon it photographs badly, but probably works as a real piece of metal. The sheer scale of it is probably hard to comprehend. See, I photograph badly and the sheer scale of me <laughs> is difficult to comprehend. <laughs> So you kind of feel an affinity with this. This is what you're saying. You see, you feel like a natural affinity. A lot, a, a lot you, of people you, you in pictures find me unbelievably offensive, and then they meet me and they go, "Actually, you're not so bad in the flesh. You're it's, not so bad in the flesh. Yeah. Still not going to drive you." <laughs> I think we'll leave it there. I think we really should. You've been listening to Alex Goy. Goodbye. To Zog. Goodbye. And to me, Gareth. And we'll leave you with this thought. Our next perhaps two or three episodes will be from the greatest race on the planet, which Alex, you're not coming to this year? No. So what I'm going to do is, mm. with your blessing, I'm going to record a message for the middle of one of them. Oh, see fantastic. If you can find it. So you'll actually have a presence <laughs> on that programme. It's, it's been, what, five years now? We've met <laughs> well, about, yeah, midnight in the Guinness bar. and Every yeah. year, we're always a little... Well, yeah. um, mm. So I'm going to get a beer and then I'm going to leave you a message. Fantastic. <laughs> you get the beer. Uh, we'll see you at Le Mans. We're going in some very interesting cars. We're not saying any more than that. And yes, I did say cars, not car. See you at Le Mans. Ta-da. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed! Speed!